Well, this is our second week in our Christmas with Luke. And last week we looked at these three angel messages that we can find in Luke's chapter one and two. And today we're going to look at three different prophecies, prophecies of comfort. And if I'm being honest here, I have a love-hate relationship with prophecy. Because on one hand, the Bible is full of these amazing prophecies that are, are rich and expansive, and personally seeing prophecies fulfilled have strengthened my faith in God. But on the other hand, when certain individuals get obsessed with prophecy, it can easily get out of control. And I'm sure we've all seen this before. These, these people start misapplying Bible prophecy to every single event that they see on the news from day to day. And they tend to use fear and sensationalism to try and get the point across. And these misapplications, they, they change at a startling rate. Every day it's a new thing. All the while discounting God and those who follow him. Can, can anyone relate here? Am I, am I just off in, in, in left field? You know, I believe because of its misuse, prophecy, it's become a bit of a loaded term for some of us. A loaded term. It, it can trigger negative emotions and send some of us running from the room. But luckily, the Bible can help to bring some balance to this discussion. Comfort in prophecies. If, if those of you, maybe when you think of prophecy, you, you, you think of fear and doom, then li listen up today, because I'm hoping to change your mind when it comes to prophecy. Before we go and we look at these three prophecies, though, from the opening chapters of Luke's gospel, I think it's important to ask a very basic question. Basic question. What is prophecy? What is prophecy? For most people, when they hear of prophecy, they instantly think of one thing, right? Predicting the future. Prophecy tells us what's going to happen in the future. And now, while that is one of the purposes of prophecy, we see that clearly laid out in Isaiah 42.9, that is not the only purpose of prophecy. There's more to it. Do you realize that 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 3 through 4, tells us that prophecy edifies the church? Prophecy edifies the church. It tells us that somebody who prophesies does so in order to bring us strength, encouragement, and comfort. Strength, encouragement, and comfort. And did you know that praise is also an aspect of prophecy. Songs and poems of praise are prophetic. Don't believe me? Maybe this is the first time you're, you're hearing this. Let's look at a couple Bible examples. 1 Samuel 10, 5. After that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is, and it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them. And they will be 
prophesying. So this musical group is coming down from the hill with all sorts of instruments, and their song is a type of prophesying. It goes on, then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. So those who join in, whether they were military men or, or, or whatever, it, when they joined in with that musical group, those prophets, they themselves were changed, and they were prophesying too. Then in First Chronicles, we find this, Chronicles 25.1. Moreover, David and the captains of the army separated for the, from, for the service some of the sons who should prophesy with harps, stringed instruments, and cymbals. And the number of the skilled men performing their service was, and before I go in and make a fool of myself and all these strange names we're about to see, um, I just want to remind us once again, similar to the last verse that we were looking at, a musical band was formed for the purpose of prophesying. Of the sons of Asaph, Zakur, Joseph, Nethaniah, and Asherah, the sons of Asaph were under the direction of Asaph, who prophesied according to the order of the king. Of Jeduthun, the sons of Jeduthun, Gedaliah, Zerai, Jeshiah, Shimei, Hashabiah, and Mattathai, six under the direction of their father, Jeduthun, who prophesied with a harp to give thanks and to praise the Lord. So music that thanks God and praises him is considered a form of prophecy. Let me put it another way. Is foretelling the future the only form of prophecy? No. No, it's not. Giving thanks and promising and praising God can be prophetic. So I, I share this so that there's no confusion as we look at these instances in Luke's chapter one and two. Because you might be looking at some of these things and say, how is this a prophecy? Where, where, where's the future telling in these? These three prophecies that we are about to look at are indeed prophecies, and I think that as we go through them, it'll make a little more sense. But my hope and prayer is that today, as we look at these three prophecies, that they will give you, as we see Paul talking about in 1 Corinthians 14, that they will give you strength, encouragement, and comfort for the week to come and beyond. So let's see what kind of Christmas gift God has in store for us today. Prophecy number one. If you want to turn and, and follow along with me, we'll be looking at Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one. We'll pick up there verse 46. So this prophecy right here, these words were given by Mary before she gives birth to Jesus. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed 
For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put, he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. So that's, that's the first prophecy. We are going to come back to that. But I want to just move and look at the, the second prophecy in Luke's gospel. It's found in verses 68 through 79. Now this second prophecy is spoken by the lips of Zacharias after his son, John the Baptist, was born. So re remember last week we talked about that, that he had been mute for nine months. Nine months, no talking. And these were the first words out of his mouth. Now his father, I'm gonna start with 67. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that he should be saved from our enemies, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. What, what a blessing there, right? Being delivered from enemies enemies and being able to serve God without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And then the third prophecy from the Christmas story, Luke chapter two, a short prophecy. These words were spoken by this, this old but faithful man named Simeon. And he gave this prophecy while holding the baby Jesus in his arms in Jerusalem. He said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So we've read these three prophecies. But I know that sometimes when we just read something, we miss the power therein when we don't sit and study it. So I'd like to go back through the first and the third prophecies that we looked at for the purpose of pulling out some encouragement, some strength, and some comfort. So as we go over these again, I want you to ask one simple question. God, what 
are you trying to say to me today through this prophetic message? What are you trying to say to me today? And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. What is God trying to say to us through this message? Do you guys, do you realize that we are lowly humans? We are lowly humans, sinners who constantly mess up. Yet the God of the universe, the creator of all things, has high regard for us. We are in actuality lowly, but God regards us highly. He loves us more than anything. We've been tainted and touched by the curse of sin, yes, but God has loved us and changed us to the point that we are no longer called cursed, but we are now called blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, let me say something about this little word fear. This isn't saying that we should be scared of God, you know, hiding under the table when he comes into the room. It's talking about a healthy respect, a love for God, realizing his might in his power, yes, God is stronger than we are. And I hope, I hope that's not news to anybody here. God is stronger than we are. He's stronger than anyone that we've ever met. He's stronger than any army that we've ever read about. He's stronger than any kingdom that we have visited. In his might, he has done great things for us, things that we couldn't do for ourselves. He has given us, as we see in this verse, mercy, mercy. And the definition of mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Not getting what we do deserve. And what do we deserve? What do we deserve? Romans 3.23 is pretty clear that we've all sinned, right? We, we've fallen short of the glory of God, but three chapters later, it explains that the wages of that sin that we've all committed is death. Wow. Yet God, in his infinite mercy, he has not given us what we do deserve, and he has been graceful in giving us what we don't deserve. We deserve death, but he has given us eternal life through Jesus. You guys are sleeping on me. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the, lo the lowly. So the world, the world seems to elevate those who have power and money and control, right? And there are many people in this world that believe the best way to get more power, to get more control, to get more money is to step on those who you view as lowly. You step on them and they'll help you get to the top. But God in his strength, 
he pulls down the proud and lifts up the lowly. God has come and he's turned the world upside down, giving power to the powerless, a voice to the voiceless, acceptance to the marginalized. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. God is our great help in time of need, and he does not forget his servants. He does not forget us. It says that he remembers, and he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed, forever. We are his forever. And I love how Mary, in this prophecy, she specifically talks about Abraham's seed. And to her, I'm sure that she was probably only picturing the Jews. But Mary, did you know that Paul would later come and he would expand this. He would explain it a little bit more for us. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one. In Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The walls of separation were broken down by Christ. If you've accepted Christ, you are, as Paul says, grafted in. Grafted in. You are a part of Abraham's seed. And as Mary said, God will not forget you. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Ron. I want to wrap up this sermon by looking at that that third prophecy spoken by by Simeon. Very very small, just, just a few lines, but there's some power there. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. I love that. Even as a baby, remember this, Simeon is speaking as he's holding baby Jesus in his arms. Even as a baby, Jesus fulfilled his role as the Prince of Peace. In the same way that Jesus brought peace to this old and dying man, he will bring peace to your life. It's part of the Christmas message. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. Jesus is salvation. Not just for the Jew, not just for the perfect, not just for the rich or the powerful or the educated. Jesus is salvation for, what are those last two words? All peoples, all peoples, will you accept it? Do you believe it? That's the question. God is going to hold up his end of the bargain. Will you accept it? Do you believe it? A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles in the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus is the light for both Jew and Gentile. Jesus is the good news. The Christmas message is the gospel message. The Christmas message is the gospel message. This time of year reminds us who our strength, who our encouragement, who our comfort comes from. There is hope in the birth of Jesus. There is hope in the life of Jesus. There is hope in the death of Jesus. There is hope in the resurrection of Jesus. There is hope for all peoples. 
Can you imagine? Can you imagine if all of us Christians embraced this prophetic Christmas message of salvation? Can you imagine if we made it our goal every holiday season to share this prophetic message? As you leave this place today, I pray that you take hope. I pray that you take encouragement. I pray that you take comfort in the fact that the Christmas story tells the gospel story. And the gospel story is the only story that really matters. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for these stories that we can read in the Bible, for these, the, these angel messages that we can see, for these prophecies that we can see that will bring us encouragement, comfort, and hope. Lord, we need that now. Help us to be beacons shining full of this light because we accept it and we believe it and we know we are assured of salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. May we be willing to share that with somebody who needs it. Use us in whatever way you see fit, Lord. We ask it all in Jesus' name, amen.